millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by the same people we had on last week, keeping some continuity with the Oscars. Oscar preview and Oscar review having the same lineup. Uh, so I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Matt Lamborn. Hello. And Paul Field. As Hi, we, guys. As we take a look at the last week or so of the film, including the uh, Oscar ceremony, the winners, uh, the losers, uh, both in terms of the actual Oscar winners and us ourselves after our, our poll from last week to see um, who predicted the best and who predicted the worst. Also, new releases including Project Almanac and Kate, as well as, I think, if we're very lucky, Fifty Shades of Grey revisited. And the Duke of Burgundy as well. Yes. It's a fully sexed up podcast, this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even more so than usual. Exactly. Um, yeah. But the the place to start is the quiz, where it's poised at two all between Owen and the guests. If the guests win, I pick a film for Owen. If Owen wins, he picks a film for me. Uh, it's very tense in in the rooms right now. Oh yeah, it's I'm on a knife edge because I don't know what you've been threatening me with for the past few weeks. <laughs> I'm just living in constant fear of what you're going to make me watch. It's almost like you want to lose just to find out. <laughs> Do I? The fear, the, is that right? The fear of not knowing is the, <laughs> is the worst thing about it. Yeah, but then if I win, I don't have to watch it anyway. <laughs> Although I've got to then can keep winning until we finish the podcast. Yeah, which, mm. which is uh, possible. But anyway, so on to the quiz. We're going to start in 1992, and this person was in Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. Owen. Yes, Owen. Sylvester Stallone. It's not Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Matt. Yes, Matt. Estelle Getty. It's not Estelle Getty. <laughs> Paul, would you like to have... God, you have not got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, in 1994, they are in Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Um, Matt. I'll just have a... Yes, Matt. Samuel L. Jackson. It's not Samuel L. Jackson. Is it Bruce Willis? It's not Bruce... Mm. Not Brucey Willis. <laughs> in 1996, they were in Striptease. Ooh. Don't think I've seen that one. Although it sounds like it would fit in on our main releases this mm. week. Uh, I guess Christopher Walken. It's not Christopher Walken. Ooh. I haven't got a clue. Uh, <laughs> I need another one. 
Okay. In 1997, they were in Con Air. Matt. Yes, Matt. Giovanni Ribisi? It's not Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, was Steve Buscemi in there? He was in Con Air, but he is not the man I'm thinking of. No, he's the kind of guy who would have popped up in Pulp Fiction, I guess. Uh, in the year 2000, they are in Mission Impossible 2. Oh, I really like Mission Impossible 2 as well. Shit. Ah, oh, man. Pam Greer? No, it's not Pam Greer. Oh, I know who it is now, but... Uh, Matt? Yes, Matt. Ving Rhymes? It is indeed Ving oh. Rhymes. Oh. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> well done, Matt. Fucking hell. Oh, I remember him being in, like, stop on my mum or shoot. Or... <laughs> No. I, am, yeah. I am the chocolate teapot of this quiz. <laughs> it's alright, I'll, I'll just carry you for another few more weeks, mate, don't worry. Well, Owen, I'm going to send you the link uh, to the Wikipedia page for this film now, just for you right. to have a little look at. It's a film from 2011. It's a British uh, comedy horror. It stars Keith Chegwin as himself. Oh, Kill Keith. And it's Kill Keith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, man. You see this motherfucker. Starring <laughs> Keith Chegwin as himself, uh, Russell Grant as himself, Tony Blackburn as himself. <laughs> it's uh, Kill Keith. Um, so, yeah, enjoy that one. I'm sure I'm, I will. I'm looking forward to that review. I think you should watch... Free on IMDb. Yeah, you should watch that and Fifty Shades of Grey on the same day. <laughs> no, I'll only subject myself to one of them. And if it's uh, Kill Keith that I've got to do, then Kill, Kill Keith it'll be. I've got, Shakes. I've got, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Callum's known, Callum's known for some time what I was going to pick for you to watch, so he's going to be delighted now that you have to watch it. That's a that's a... A good comeback, because I was 2-0 up at one point, and then you suddenly decided what it was you wanted to make me watch, and then everyone started winning. <laughs> so can I can I call shenanigans again? <laughs> no. No, I didn't, yeah. I didn't cheat. Uh, okay, I trust you. Well, that's the quiz over with, and I cannot wait for Owen's review of <laughs> Kill Keith next week. Um, I think it, the, the probably the, the best British comedy since Run For Your Wife. <laughs> is that right? Is that how it's described? Yeah. That's e- even though it was made before Run For Your Wife, it's the best <laughs> British comedy since Run For Your Wife. Uh, oh, man. Funny enough, I've been remember... punting Kill Keith on, uh, is it London TV? Along with the Danny Dyer seasons, you could have wrapped the whole thing up there in one go while <laughs> just switching to that channel. Uh, anyway, that's, that's... I've just read the, the, the tagline for it. Yeah. Do you want to tagline? It's uh, Saw meets Richard and Judy. That's quite enticing, isn't it? <laughs> you can't you can't argue with facts, can you? Well, exactly. If films were literally as they were billed, I would watch it. <laughs> a, a literal Saw meeting a literal Richard and Judy. Yeah, I'd be all over that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on to the Oscar ceremony now, and the Oscars for this year. Uh, the winner of Best Picture and Best Director went to Birdman uh, and Alejandro Inarasu. Uh, did we expect that? One of us did. I think we were collectively hoping 
that is what would yeah. happen. And for once, they've actually uh, obliged us, which is nice. Well, it won the Screen Actors Guild Award. Was it the day before or a couple of days before the ceremony? Before the uh, Academy ceremony? And suddenly everyone was then like, right, so it's definitely now going to win the Oscar. And it just... I thought it came out of nowhere. I honestly felt Boyhood and Linklater had so much momentum. They were like an unstoppable juggernaut picking up all the uh, awards along the way. I think they went but, too early. Do you think so? Yeah, I think a lot of it's, it's campaigning in the background. There's all these agents, mm. you know, kind of plugging away at these and plugging at the Academy and stuff. And the, there's, you know, almost like a political campaign behind each film. And, you know, and uh, if you shoot your wad too early, it can end in tears. Yeah, exactly. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful metaphor. Yeah, lovely analogy. Yeah, over 12 years, just shot the, the load too early. <laughs> I think they were both clever in their own right, but for me, I just thought Boyhood was too clever and too gimmicky, and I, 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 yeah, I really enjoyed Birdman, and I, and I was really, really pleased to, to see it win. I bet you were, because, like I said, the only one of us who picked it to win. But... Oh, yeah, I mean, as Matt said, I'm really chuffed that it's one. Um, for both categories. I w- if I had to vote, I would have picked both of those films. So, But the film and the, the director, I mean, both those awards. So it's great news, I think. And also kind of recognises, um, you know, the, the, there's all this talk about how it's only white middle-class Americans and British upper-class people who've been nominated for awards. And Alejandro gonzalez Inarito sort of came from nothing in Mexico. So, you know... He was good, and his speeches were were, were good. Did did any or any of you watch any of the ceremony or the highlights? Or oh, I can't be bothered with all that fawning nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen clips. I haven't seen everybody's review, uh, everybody's um, acceptance speech and stuff. But uh, yeah, go he, on. Then what he, what did he? What well, did he I know he was just good value. He was just joking that you know they, they kept getting him to speak, and he was the person with the you know the worst English in the building. <laughs> So yeah, no, I thought he was good value. He was he was pretty, you know, he was he was very humble, and uh, yeah, no, he was. You could see that, you know, it, it, it meant a lot, and I, I was really pleased for him. Yeah, no, I'm pleased for him as well. Although he is quite um, liked by the Academy already, anyway, isn't he? I mean, uh, what Amaros Peros did that win anything at the time, or was it nominated and uh, beautiful and all those sort of films he's made are. Um, very highly regarded anyway. This, well, this is his first comedy, isn't it, Birdman? It's his first attempt at an actual comedy, so people weren't expecting it to do so well. Yeah, and can you imagine the pitch when you were kind of pitching that film? You would have said, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's completely kind of, you know, out there, and, uh, and, and, and fair play to it. We need some originality in, in film. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a very uh, Jerry McCauley type of director. I'm sure he was very pleased. <laughs> Jerry, yeah, he probably loved him. And then he could he was the only one who could understand him as well with his Spanish. He likes to bang on about being fluent in Spanish. I was listening to some of the old podcasts of ours today. I'm trying to put a few together for the website at the moment to sort of give people suggestions from where to start. And one of the early ones, like possibly the first or second episode of the podcast, like first ever ones we've done, because we're coming up to 150th episode, by the way. can't believe that. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, so the first couple, he just talks about how he can speak Spanish fluently. And, it, and you'd be surprised how many times that comes up. <laughs> the, uh, what was a nice, sorry, I was going to say, what was a nice moment during the uh, Best Picture acceptance was uh, Michael Keaton, who yeah. 
came up to the mic and said, you know, who am I kidding? I'm just glad to be here. God, it was very <laughs> meta. So I, I, that was good too. Yeah, I, we can never verify whether Jerry could actually speak Spanish or not. He could have been faking it. Yeah, he was basically our go-to to check the pronunciation of foreign-sounding names, wasn't he? Yeah. And God, and they would just give up and start pronouncing people's names. Like, is it Inyaritu? Is that you meant to pronounce his name? I don't know. See, we need Jerry back, basically. Anyway, on to best... Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes, best actor, best actress. Uh, best actor went to Ellie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything. What did he do or not do, Owen? What did he do or not do? Yes, you came out with a particular phrase to describe um, <laughs> Eddie Redmayne a few weeks ago. Uh, I didn't come up with the phrase. Yeah, you did. did. Yeah, it was on did. Tropic Thunder, and I just happened to mention... He went there. That. He went full, didn't he? <laughs> Well, you never go full retard. And <laughs> that was the quote. And he hasn't gone full retard. And, and he did during the acceptance. Well, uh, sort of, yeah. There you go. I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing from the film and the very famous and funny quote. At least That's what I'm doing. Was slightly more sensitive when I said he'll win the Oscar because he looks better as Stephen Hawking. Yeah, he's not much better. So, you know, yeah, where's some political correctness, goddamn? <laughs> But no, I mean, the fact is, he did. He was good, um, but he mimicked Stephen Hawking, and everyone said, isn't that a very good performance? And it's like, yeah, it's good in the same way Alistair McGowan's good, and it's not good in the same way Michael Keaton is good in Birdman, or, you know, Steve Carell even in Foxcatcher was better. I just, yeah, I don't know. And I didn't even think Steve Carell was the best actor. The, the, the crux of it is, Jake Gyllenhaal should have won this. Yeah. It should, this award should be going to Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, and the failed Oscars, Jake Gyllenhaal wins most of the categories. I'm, I'm yeah. sure he's delighted. Yeah, absolutely. Good consolation. <laughs> yeah. But um, best actress as well, Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Again, we sort of touched on it last week. It's hard for us to, to comment on that, isn't it? It's not out here. Yeah. It's not out in the UK. There is a slight twist to this that, um, and uh, I heard uh, Mark Kermode, who, because I touched on this last week and said, you know, Maps, Maps of the Stars, she mm. is amazing in that. Why, and I couldn't quite understand why, you know, she wasn't nominated for that. And um, it turns out that that probably was the plan originally. But if you have two films where you you kind of, you know, both are worthy of a, of a, of a nomination, you split the vote. And so... They decided not to screen Map to the Stars to qualify. Um, and so uh. in my mind, I think she won it for that, you know. when you Have you all seen it? No, not yet. When you do, you'll, you'll kind of see why, because it is just outstanding. And, and you know, so I, I stand by what I said last week, that, in fact, she picked that up for not just the one film, it was for the two. That's interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Because there was a lot of um, talk about how she, you know, she won the BAFTA and stuff, and even the Golden Globe, where technically she wasn't eligible for Still Alice. They sort of bent the rules to to pull her in. So if the if the the, the rumours are that it's actually she's getting it for Maps um, to the Stars instead of this, which is a much more difficult film to watch mm. because it basically, you know, it, it rips Hollywood a new one. It's 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 horrible. And right. twisted and, and dark, and in, yeah. But 
she she shines in it. She's just outstanding, and probably the best performance I saw. Um, I only I only caught it beginning of this year, but yeah, if I'd seen it last year, probably would have been my number one film. Wow, blimey, that's high praise. It is indeed, and she yeah no definitely definitely you should see it. Yeah, well everything I've heard about Stellaris is that. Julianne Moore's brilliant. Oh yeah, this isn't it a great performance by Julianne Moore. Oh, she's definitely going to win Best Actress because she's brilliant in it. But the film itself is a bit standard, you know. If you want to see a better film about someone with Alzheimer's, well then you can try a Moore or even um, a poetry, you know, the, the Lee Chang Dong film. Or just Whereas... listen to me on the quiz. Or just... <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thanks, Paul. We'll just listen to you on the quiz again. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone sort of said the film itself is kind of average, um, but she's phenomenal. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what your opinion is after watching Still Alice as well. Yeah, no, it'll be, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting companion piece. Mm. Okay, okay. But of of those awards, by the way, um, again, we all went for Eddie Redmayne. Apart from Steve, you went Michael Keaton. So the, the two awards that Birdman did win, you didn't pick, and then you picked Michael Keaton for Birdman, and he didn't win. It went to someone else. Well, it's just a big swizz, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a big swizz. Yeah. And um, me and Paul went for Julianne Moore. Matt, you went for Rosamund Pike, kind of, I think you admitted out of hope more than expectation. Oh, I went for that one purely because that was the only one out of the list oh, right, of the eight films that I'd seen, and to be yeah. fair, she's very impressive in it, although I didn't have much of a, of a reference against the other films. But uh, mm. Julianne Moore's had a, a great career, so uh, it's not a massive surprise that she's going to get the push on the strength of two very strong films in this run yeah. for the Oscars. So it's fair. Well, I, I, I don't know if this is going to come as a surprise either, and this is a bit of a spoiler for the rest of the awards we're going to talk about. Eddie Redmayne was your only correct prediction. Mm. And that was the one I wanted the most, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> Uh, on to Best Supporting Actor and Actress. I don't think there's any doubt about Best Supporting Actor. That went to J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Um, and for people who've seen Whiplash, I don't think there was any shadow of a doubt that he was going to pick up this award. There was a lot of Whiplash stuff in the ceremony. They had the, the um, I can't remember his name, the guy, the other guy in it who played the drums. They had him, Miles Teller. Yeah, yeah, they had him like doing drumming, they had the music all the time going on in the background and stuff, even for, for other other awards, so it was very, um, there was a huge nod in the ceremony to to, um, to to Whiplash. It was the cheapest film to make as well, out of all the ones that got nominated, so it's quite good to see, even if it's only picking up like one semi-major category and a few other bits and bobs here and there, it's good to see that it's actually been recognised in the first place, you know. Because it was like something like three point four million dollars to make, or something ridiculously tiny compared to the other films. You know, like um, American Sniper was fifty nine million dollars to make, and walked away with virtually nothing. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pleased with J.K. Simmons though. Uh, from what I've heard of his acceptance speech, he seemed really humble as well um, when he was accepting it, sort of thanking his wife and family and stuff. So. Yeah, no, I'm really pleased for him. I'm I'm glad he's he's picked up that because he totally, definitely deserves to win that award. And best actress, uh, best supporting actress, sorry, went to Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Tits. 
That's all our song is. <laughs> That's quite funny in a not that funny way because she's really like pro feminist feminism movement. I read a piece of hers um yeah, I'm, in the I'm very pro her feminism. <laughs> is that right? Oh wow. Lowering the tone so early on my um right, we're the most <laughs> outrageous podcast on the internet currently, so it's fine. <laughs> That's what it says um, on iTunes. We are shock jocks these days. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I read a piece of it. She was all for um, you know, wage equality and saying how actresses when they get a bit older they don't pick up the the, the right sort of um you know, projects to make them revered by the Academy and stuff. You only get the odd few, such as Meryl Streep, who was also nominated recently. Who was it out of goes... her seat, by the way, when she said all this about equal pay for women. Meryl was straight up clapping. Oh, right. Yeah, she probably must be one of the highest earners, Meryl Streep, of women, uh, you know, female actors. But um, but at the same time, she kind of has a point. It was leaked in that so, so all that stuff that came from Sony that there is disparity, and so... At least she's making a point and a stand, even if it's while she's collecting an award. And, you know, the political reasons for why she might be picking up an award for boyhood, when potentially there were better performances. Also, I don't know, maybe this is me being outrageous again. Mm, I mean, the Oscars does seem to have a fair degree of, fair degree of you know, politics to it. I don't think there's any secret... Yeah, but it could just be them trying to say, look, well, we do sort of honour, um, you know, female actors and, you know, we, we appreciate actresses and look, we're giving this award to Patricia Arquette who's quite outspoken about this, so yay for us. She, she's no the Stath. <laughs> well, who is? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is he a pro-feminist? I can't remember. I, you, oh. <laughs> certainly from Crash, you were, uh, not Crash, Jesus, not Crash. Certainly from um, Crank, might not assume so. But you know, I, I, can you see her doing something like that? I mean, if you're going to do the, the, you know, the, the serious, sensible roles, they tend not to pay the big bucks and make the big money. So it's you know, it's it's, mm. it's, it's a slightly weird argument. It is. But um, well, surely she gets twelve years worth of pay for Boyhood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it works, actually. Well, £6.50 awesome. an hour for 12 years? She's laughing. <laughs> mm. Exactly. Rate of inflation as well each time. I think minimum wage is up to about £6.80-odd now, so, I mean, even better. Yeah. Well, there you go. Presumably because she's American, she gets tips as well on top of that. No, just tips. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK. But, um, thanks, thanks, Matt. Again, yeah, okay. thanks for that. So, I think Patricia, I, I just think true romance, so you have to forgive me. I'm just enjoying right. the memory. <laughs> okay, the memory. it's not just you randomly saying tits because of Did, uh, did any of you, as we're halfway through these, did, did, what, there was a musical interlude. Did any of you see this or, or read about no. this? With no. the Lady Gaga doing songs from The Sound of Music. <gasps> yes, I have heard about this. Yeah, she, she rolled out and... Um, Steve, you know you said you libel celebs on this show. <laughs> God, okay. I libel, I libel you if you want. Oh, that's fine. But well, te- 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 con- technically it, it's slander, isn't it? Because it's spoken, not written. If you want to be pedantic about these things, that's fine. But I'm pretty sure if, you said that that was all the rage last week. So. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to get, you know, if we're going to get taken to court, I want to get taken to court for the right thing. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> she rolled out, and she 
she has got quite a manly face. <laughs> and oh, man. that's not the only thing she's got. I've seen that video on YouTube where our old fella flops out. So I'm not convinced that Lady Gaga is in fact a lady. <laughs> well, you know, the name ladies um doth protest too much, doesn't she? <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Look, lady, my name is Lady Gaga. <laughs> she wasn't great. But Julie Andrews came out and she was she was fantastic. She got a big huge round of applause. Not so much Lady Gaga. No. But didn't she, like, her medley of songs go down really badly? Didn't... It was, as I said, it, it was not great. It was, mm. she just looked weird and very manly. But she, um, just, she does look weird anyway. It was an odd yeah. choice. I mean, the whole thing was really odd. And she, and uh, I'll come on to some of the, one of the more, the oddest one later, which was probably Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll come on to that in a bit, then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, again, we all kind of guess at these two categories, J.K. Simmons and Patricia Arquette, all of us, except Matt. Well well done, Matt. Yeah. Cheers. Good form. <laughs> um, we had Best Animated Feature, and that went to Big Hero 6. I bet Patch will be pleased. I'm blaming Callum for this one. I went for How to Train Your Dragon 2 basically because he said it won the Annie, therefore it's going to win the Oscar. It's nailed on. Yeah, well, that, was, that was an upset. Hmm. But it's this Disney, um, you know, revival again. It's just... It's, they love Disney, don't they? Frozen and... did I can't remember whether Wreck-It Ralph won, but it was certainly nominated. Um, I liked Wreck-It Ralph. I didn't like it so much but Big Hero 6 I thought was very funny um, and to be honest of the ones that were listed and that I've seen I liked it more than How to Train Your Dragon 2 so I'm sort of pleased it won but I'm still blaming blaming uh, Callum for that one there was a big musical number from the Lego movie right at the start of the ceremony as well which is even more bizarre <laughs> what? yeah they did Everything is Awesome uh, was was it nominated for best it song? Was, or yeah, but it didn't win. <laughs> so it, was even more, so it wasn't up for, for the best animated. It was up for best song and didn't win. But it was one of the big set pieces. Was was, was that song, which is even again really strange. There's a lot of marketing going on there. Hmm. But you know, um, I bet James was crying in front of his TV <laughs> for that one. Would probably just crying anyway? Was it on record? I hate the Lego Movie. You hate it? Yeah. Why? Because it, it was awful. It was for kids. It wasn't for... There was no joke about it. It was rubbish. <laughs> God, it Animation was... is for children. It's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> That'll rile some people, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I kind of... I thought it was all right. I, I thought some, some of it was very funny. But I still stand by my stance at the time that it's just a big advert. Of course it is. It's not the, it's and watch not the fucking Lego movie. Well, the Academy didn't like it. Of course it's an advert. <laughs> but then, why would... I don't understand, though. That's, that doesn't seem like it's... I wouldn't pay to go and watch any other advert. And yet... Well... Wait till you see Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the amount of yeah. MacBooks that are going to be in there. Oh, God. Well, it's, yeah, it's like the Bond films, almost, isn't it? Just You can't... Like every scene has just got product placement in it. You can't, and you can't really have much product placement in Star Wars, I suppose, can you? You can, you can have, you can have a, <laughs> a Nintendo Zapper on a Stormtrooper's belt. Well, maybe. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I wasn't too bothered that um, Lego Movie mistake, but I didn't think it was awful. But to be brutally honest, the Oscars this year as a whole, it was all a bit of a as it was pretty much last year. Let's share the statues around, then everyone mm. can put Oscar winner on their poster, and everyone can make more money. It was none of the, you know, like winner of 14 Academy Awards. There was none of that yeah. nonsense this year, was there? I mean, and I, do you know what? I kind of quite miss that. I quite like that when you see a film, you know, completely clean up. It's mm. all a bit too, you know, let's all hold hands together and share everything. It's a bit wishy-washy. <laughs> what was the last big film to have done that? I'm uh, trying to think, actually. Definitely Titanic, but there must be something since then. Gladiator did, I think. Didn't one of the Lord of the Rings films absolutely clear up? When you include all, like, sound editing and special effects and costume design and all that crap as well. They may have done. Didn't they save it until the last one? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the first the first one got a few awards, and then the second one came out, and they're like, right, well, we can't give this one awards again. And then the third one came out, and I thought, oh, yeah, very good, this is brilliant, we'll give this all the awards now. Just acknowledge that the series as a whole... Yeah. Um, give all the awards to the final film in the trilogy. It sort of makes sense, in a way. It'd be interesting mm. to see if the trend continues, though, each year that everything's shared around. Because it does make financial sense to the studios. But then there's been nothing so amazing that you think, you know, in the last few years, you think that should absolutely mop the floor of everything. Um, but, I mean, I sort of half expected Boyhood to this year, to be honest. I was, I was honestly expecting to get like best picture director. Um, I thought it was maybe not actor, but you know. I thought it would get best director just because of how innovative it was, um, but obviously it didn't. Yeah, I think the closest film on the list that could have done that, just because it seems very like much like an Academy type of film anyway, is The Theory of Everything. Mm. You know, everything about it screams Academy Award nominated. How many did? Yeah, how many did Gravity pick up last year? Because I imagine that would have picked up a lot of the ones, you know, the technical, technical well, ones. It, it definitely got director. I think it might have got cinematography and editing as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, cinematography is one of those ones that I don't really like to comment on because whenever I think I've understood it, I haven't. Gravity got think, seven oh, Oscars, FYI. Oh, right, it won seven. Mm. Yeah. But it didn't get, like, actor, though. I mean, that went to last year to McConaughey, didn't it? And Jared Leto from um, yeah. Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, definitely. So, Owen, then, as you've been collating the results, out of the four of us who were on last week, who managed to, to score the best? And who, who... I think we know who scored the worst, but it's always worth reiterating. Yeah. <laughs> Unlucky, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um... Well, I'll go reverse order then. We know math. Sorry, Matt, you only got one right. You know, the other... Um, well, I got the right cast- one right. <laughs> well, arguably. The uh, original screenplay, adapted screenplay, foreign language film and documentary are the other ones we didn't didn't actually touch on. Um, but, yeah, Matt, you got one in total. Steve, you were third with four. You got Best Support Actor, Support Actress... Original screenplay, which was Birdman, which both you and me went for. Um, and the animation film, Big Hero 6. You were the only one to get that one. Um, so well done you. You got one that no one else got. 
Yeah. That was very patronising. Sorry. I didn't mean for that to sound so rude. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I came second with six. And Paul, you got nine, correct? Mr. There's only two Oscars. you didn't get. That research, eh? What a bastard. <laughs> All that preparation. <laughs> oh, Sorry, Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you've got Adapted Screenplay, which was uh, Imitation Game. None of us went for that one. And Citizen Four was the documentary. I think we all went for Varunga. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously I just mentioned there was other other categories we didn't get onto because we are running out of time quickly, um, but there were a few other categories we didn't get onto there. Um, Owen, out of any listeners that entered said competition, who'd done the best there? <laughs> Well, the thing is, <laughs> I organised like this, like we talked about last week, a DVD giveaway of all these shitty second-hand DVDs that I had lying around and didn't want anymore. Um, and we had four people enter. Um, one person got six of the categories right. Three of them got seven categories right. What are the chances of that? Three pe- And they weren't all voting for the same films either. They were all sort of spread out across... Um, some different films and yeah so three people got got seven predictions correct and Andrew Alcock was our winner uh, in the end picked at random by me emailing you lot and saying pick a letter I think Paul was the first to reply with X and there go ergo uh, Andrew was the one who I just signed the letter X to so it's all fair and equal I didn't pick him because he's my favourite or anything like that um, and sent him a few DVDs in the post. I think Paul sent him a few as well. So yeah. he's um, escaped having lost season four, the box set, which I'm sure he's gutted about. Um, but he got a few other films instead. What, so. what has he got? What has he got? Well, he mentioned that he he liked a few Korean films, so I sent him a few because I've got some DVDs that I'm never going to watch again. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Uh, they were The Fox Family... I sent the list to Paul earlier, I can't remember. Crying Fist, which is one with Choi Min Sikhane, who's the guy from Old Boy, uh, which is sort of like Rocky, which is a bit weird. And, oh God, what else did I send him? Yeah, send him some other films anyway, and Paul sent him a couple of good ones, actually. Because I, I, I couldn't be wanted to walk to the post office, I just bought them on Amazon, and they send them straight to him. <laughs> wow. See, all I did was just pick out some that are on my shelf, but I just what, taking up space. What did, you, what did you buy him then, Paul? Uh, I got him the yellow. So they're all Korean. I got him the Yellow Sea, um, Tidal Wave, and uh, I can't remember the other one. Excellent. Well, I'm sure he'll enjoy <laughs> all the shit that we send him. <laughs> or if not, he can trade them in for a couple quid at CEX or something. Yeah, there's always that, I suppose. If he's ever in town with the winnings that he's got on the short of his bus fare, he can always do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's all for um, part one of the podcast. We're not going to have time for what we've been watching this week, so we're going to skip ahead straight after this break to our new release reviews where we're going to be reviewing Cake and Project Almanac, among other things. We're back then with a look at some new releases in cinema this week. Um, but Matt is going to revisit one from last week. We don't usually go over old ground kind of this close to each other. We won't usually do um, the same film twice, two weeks running. But Matt has enjoyed his experience of Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> so much, 
he wanted to spend a little bit of time telling you all about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I won't go into quite as much uh, detail as, as Paul did the great job of doing so last week. But I'll just talk more about the experience of Fifty Shades of Grey. So a week later than anticipated, me and my girlfriend get to the cinema, finally get to watch it. We're re- well, I say we, she's really looking forward to it, and I'm just you know, there for to make up the numbers. And... Um, it's not very often we go into a, a film in the Isle of Man and it's completely packed seat for seat, but this was. And you've never seen so many Michael Kors handbags in one place <laughs> than in this particular movie. It was about three quarters women, at least 50% of them were well over 50, which baffled me, <laughs> quite frankly. And, and typically I would get a right fat heifer sitting next to me and I could feel the heat of her menopause absorbing me way even before the movie had started. So I'm like, I'm not going to be in for a great time with this. So anyway, onto the film. It's a little bit of a mixed bag, although generally I would say in regards to the sexual content, it's extremely dull. Um, I actually quite like the beginning um, in terms of how Christian Grey goes about pursuing Anastasia. I think the tension between them is really good. Um, but it's when he actually gets his hands on her and starts to try and pull her down to his level, if you like. All the, the sordidness that you should be expecting just isn't there, which is what Paul alluded to very well last week. Um, it's a lot of uh, suggestion and, and not a whole lot of delivery in the end. And needless to say, my pants didn't twitch once throughout this movie. And I certainly didn't go home, as I hoped I might do, dying to get my hands on my girlfriend, or vice versa. And she's a big fan of the books, and it didn't whet her appetite, no pun intended, at all. <laughs> so, she she reassures me that it's in book two, and therefore movie two, where things really start to heat up. And this is just more of a feeling out process as far as the story goes in general so if this is the Lord of the Rings then this is very much the Fellowship of the Ring and not just because it's first it's just setting up <laughs> Fellowship the... of the Ring yes exactly <laughs> it's just setting up the whole premise for an epic part two um, it's just dull yeah. it, it's just really dull um, the main two characters aren't particularly likeable I hate any woman who wears flat shoes and Anastasia Steele's walking around in what a very manly pair of flats so that put me off straight away. Um, you're such a <clears throat> such a little, you know, pedant when it comes to women's fashion, aren't you? Yeah, well, you know, I've got my Did face on. Just a handbag, <laughs> telling them off for wearing flats. Oh, yeah. my God. I know, I know. Proper, metros- Very high proper metrosexual I am. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's, it's well worthy of its, like, four and a half stars on IMDb. It's That's just a really... Oh, well... I was amazed to see that Eve of Destruction actually had more more IMDb score than Fifty Shades of Grey did. So, in a nutshell, again, no pun intended, um, starts off very strong, in fairness to it. I like the tension, I like the dialogue between the two before things supposedly were supposed to get juicy, but it just doesn't deliver anything. It's like going on a first date with a really fit woman and not even getting your arse tickled at the end. <laughs> This is how you judge everything, isn't it? It's good if you get your ass tickled. 
it's not what, otherwise. What kind of first dates do you go on? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm a very quick dater. Yeah, don't. I, I like I like to escalate quickly. <laughs> but anyway, this but is, this, that's not quickly. This, that is rapid. Does your does your your I your fuck best, around? Does your does your better half listen to this podcast, Matt? No, but she's listening to me doing it with you. Too busy tickling me. <laughs> she's off. only in the room. Next to me, <laughs> yeah. She's gonna hear everything I'm saying. So poor, yeah, poor I, like, I like the beginning of the film, and then the second and the third quarter is just absolutely terrible. Is she tickling your walnut right now? <laughs> I'm afraid not. She's in bed at the moment, so hopefully my walnut will get tickled later. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible <laughs> image. Oh dear. Um, yeah. So from from that um, to the Duke of Burgundy, which has been seen by Paul. Is that a euphemism? It, it it's. Do you know what this is? They've released this this week just to kind of bounce off Fifty Shades because God, you're all fans of eighteen certificate movies with all female casts, I assume. Of course. Well. Oh, yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> You know, Peter Strickland directed this, who did um, Barbarian Sound Studio, which was, you know, this was really well received. I, I, I wasn't mad on it, but, you know, I know a lot of people who really loved that film and it was their number one and stuff like this. It's... I think James said, just to interject, I think James said when he reviewed it on here that the best way to watch it was, you know, you, you wouldn't normally recommend watching a film like this anyway, but on your laptop with your headphones in. And that's how I watched it, and I have to agree. I think when you've got your headphones in on on Barbarian Stone Studio, because it's all about the stone, doesn't it? It's just fantastic. But the film itself had issues. So, you know, it just went a bit weird towards the end and lost itself. I'm guessing that's not really been corrected in this? Not really, no. I mean, this isn't about the audio. This is all about the, the visual. Mm. Um, I, I should say this was a kind of a dual release in cinemas and online, and um, the, the Blinkbox HD stream was was not great um but it's it's the story of uh uh two lesbians um i think it's set in the 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 70s it's all a bit kind of vague and um there's a a sort of a sub and a dom relationship and um but it's quite confusing because the, the the dom is quite reluctant and is kind of ordered to do what she needs to do by the sub, and it's really kind of a mind fuck with 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 the, with the dynamic between them. Um, the, the 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 two kind of leads. I'm going to murder her name here. It's uh, <laughs> Sidsi Babak Knudsen, who I think is I think she's Danish. Um, I've seen her in a, a, a TV drama from one of those Scandi dramas. And um, the younger, the, the, the one who likes to... Um, how can I put this out, what she enjoys? Um, <laughs> you want uh, me to do it for you? Go on. I don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> she, 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 likes to, she likes for the, the Dom to piss in her mouth, basically. Um, but here's the thing. This is an 18, but you, this, this, don't get too excited because you don't see anything. Nada. Not even a nip slip. It's all kind of you'll hear a, you know, weeing in her mouth and the gurgling noises and everything, but you don't actually see anything. There are no men in it, and it's set against this. It's going to sound really confusing, but it's set against this backdrop of collecting and studying butterflies. Um, and it, this is 
this is a real film for the for, for the critics. It's very classy, very elegant. Um, the the critics all kind of even you know they're all wetting themselves just the fact that the credits at the start talk about who supplied the lingerie and the perfume for the film. Um, and to kind of I've actually God this is prep again, Steve. Sorry, I, I've actually got some quotes from from some real proper kind of arty critics here and um they've said uh, it's as delicate as a fritillary's wing it's a loving homage to an antique genre uh, fantastic hauteur um, inhales the lost aroma of bergman uh, voyeurism of a brilliant deeply refined order and it, they just go on and on like this so you kind of get the kind of crowd they're aiming for um i, I i've taken the liberty of, of trying to guess sort of some very small reviews which will come out in the British tabloids. Uh, I've gone for the Daily Mail, which will be filth. Um, <laughs> the Sun are going to go with Lesbo Pissfest. And the Daily Star with, uh, with uh, two girls and no cup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> High five. It's, um, yeah. I would like to know, I'm putting you on the spot, what? I would like to know what your RT review would be. If you're going to do it in the style of calling it a, I, whatever they were saying about it. it it's it is elegant it's sophisticated and it is quite kinky but it's just too weird it really or there's a scene where they're in a lecture theater they're talking about these butterflies and as the camera pans across you can see that some of the characters are actually mannequins and there's no nobody mentions them nobody says anything that you know that they're, nobody acknowledges that they're there and it's just like I, I don't get it i maybe i'm too thick I, I just do not understand it and i think it's just almost weird for the sake of being weird mm. um yeah this is this is one of those ones that a lot of people are going to see because they're going to think you know they're going to hear it's a bit naughty um but it it's not for everyone D- did i enjoy it mm. <sighs> Not really. I mean, it was it was okay. Um, it was certainly better than Fifty Shades, and it was it was certainly interesting. But th- there is no real story. There's no kind of arc. There's no, you know, it, it, this is a kind of a, a visual treat, if you like, if, if that's your thing. Mm. But as 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 a, as a film with a, a narrative and stuff, no, there's nothing to see here. That's a shame. Because um, from the description, I remember you, you, you actually sent me the description yourself, I think, and it sounded quite interesting and unusual, um, but in a good way. You know, it sounded like there could be some substance to it, but it sounds like actually... It kind of explores... I mean, the main thing of it is it explores the kind of... The, 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 the kind of the dominant one doesn't really want to be dominant, and, and the fact that the sub is kind of having to coerce her to do stuff, which immediately ruins that dynamic um mm. and it, it there's it kind of focuses on the repetition so the 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 kind of the the sub has to write down what she wants the dom to do and they reenact these things and it's almost in you know day after day and 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 you can see the kind of you know the tiredness in the in the the, the, the dom um, the, the character Cynthia, you can just see it in her eyes. She's just so fed up with it. She's not really into it. But and, and Evelyn just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. She even tries to buy this contraption, which is referred to as a human toilet. Um, but you never actually get to see it, thankfully. 
<laughs> sounds delightful. Definitely want you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like the double bill with holy motors. Yeah. You look <laughs> um, right from that on to the film that Owen's scene, which is the time travel movie Project Almanac. Yeah, it's um, the debut feature of director Dean Israelite, um, but it's probably more known probably more for being um, a film with a producer attached to it who has a license to print money, namely Michael Bay. He he produced this. It stars a load of actors that nobody's ever heard of before playing these exceptionally clever teenagers, uh, one of whom, uh, called David, is trying to get into MIT and he needs to earn some cash to pay his $40,000 fees. Um, and one way to do this is to enter this competition with a new invention of some sort. So he goes through his deceased dad's old junk in the attic and finds um, his dad is also like an inventor or like a scientist or something like that and discovers an old video camera. And on this video camera is a video of David's seventh birthday. Um, and in the background, you see the older, current, teenage David wondering about. And he starts to question how this is possible, um, because this video camera has not been touched for like 15 years, and what's going on, and or 10 years, or whatever it is. And then so, um, gradually, what happens is they discover more um, inventions in the basement of their house. And uh, where they find an old glass box locked away in the basement. And it turns out that um, David's dad was working on a time travel project. And so they begin pulling it together and go on a few various hijinks. I mean, but the way I describe Project Almanac is as an aggressively found footage time travel movie. It constantly reminds you through all kinds of like gimmicks. Uh, methods of spinning cameras around and having cameras float out of people's hands and into spaces and fall over and stuff like that. It reminds you all the time that it is a found footage movie. Um, and I've said like quite a few times on the pack- podcast before, I kind of like found footage movies. Um, the most of them that I've seen anyway. And I, I acknowledge there are some bad ones, but I don't think the bad ones are necessarily because they're found footage. I know it's not a popular thing to admit to, but I do genuinely like it as a technique uh, and as a method of filmmaking. And, you know, it makes some stories that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to get otherwise, um, just purely for the way that um, they're filmed. But this... God, I mean, I've always wondered when people said they felt sick watching found footage films, just how much they were making that up and how much of it was actually true. I mean, however, during Project Almanac, I literally felt like I was going to throw up. I mean, I at one point I kind of took off my jacket and I was rolling my sleeves up and I unbuttoned the top, the few top buttons on my shirt. Um, didn't take it off completely though, Paul. I'm sure oh, you'll be glad to hear. Glad to Kept hear. the shirt on, just unbuttoned a few buttons. Um, <clears throat> and I had to like cover my eyes at one point so I couldn't even see the screen. It was just unbearable. Compared to like, like Paul Greengrass sort of shaky cam, what, what, what levels are we talking? We're talking like Paul Greengrass levels of shaky cam looks like um, Wes Anderson levels of <laughs> right, okay. swift panning. You know, this is just horrendous. 
I had to run out of the screen at one point. Well, not run, but I quickly walked out because I had to get some water. And this was at like 10 o'clock, so the, obviously they'd closed the tills. So they couldn't even get a bottle of water. I had to get this horrible polystyrene cup of tap water. Um, because I honestly felt, from just watching it, that I was going to pass out or throw up or something. Because, And I felt like such a wimp afterwards. But it's true, that's what Project Almanac did to me. It made me sweat and feel nauseous until I almost passed out. Um, and I'm sure Matt will understand, being a classic uh, gamer that he is, when I say I've never felt such horrendous motion sickness like I experienced when watching Project Double Mac since the mid-90s when I played Doom on the PC. Yeah, that was a, a, a great that used to, this week. Yeah, I can... It was what I put that on Twitter, yeah, because Doom used to really make me feel... I could only do that for like five or ten minutes at a time. Mm. Um I would probably I don't compare, compare those feelings to playing something like a virtual boy if anyone ever had the opportunity to do that way back in the day, but you spend half an hour on that. Bad headaches, mm. nausea. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it was like being on um, um, you know, a roundabout or something, just constantly going round and round and round. And it was, it was horrible. The camera was spinning all over the place when it wasn't wobbling about like the cameraman was sitting on a washing machine. It was just horrible. Um... Yeah. So, I mean, as for the story itself, to, to start with, I didn't think it was too bad. Um, and then I kind of felt like the pace was dragging a little. But this is this seems to be going on a bit longer, actually. It's, I, mean, I thought it was moving along quite quick. But actually, then I looked at the time and I was like, fuck me, 40 minutes had passed and barely anything of note had happened yet. Is this, at like, this point, had you already been out and uh, sweated, unbuttoned yourself, got a drink? No, this this was like even to this point I was starting to feel a bit unwell. But this is before all the time travel stuff had really kicked in. So it took another further ten minutes. We're talking like fifty minutes into a hundred minute film before you really get any proper time travel stuff. And there's no like dilemma or tension really that exists up till that point. Which is, I mean, basically, the the whole film is about time travel. It's about what these kids do when they get a time travel device and how they can make money from it. They can um, alter relationships and all this kind of things and the knock-on effects that it has. But they're just really bland teenagers. And that's kind of it, really. That's the problem. And there's about two montage scenes of them building the fucking machine. And they milk it for all it's worth. It just... It was driving me mad. And, um, yeah, I mean, excuse the pun, but it's such a fucking waste of time, this film. And it begs and borrows from tons of other movies like this. So, like, because it's all famed footage and it's teenagers, obviously lots of it feels like Chronicle. Um, and then it's time travel, so it feels like Looper and the butterfly effect um, and all that. But, but mostly it feels like Primer for dummies. How much of it um, is, is, is kind of going back to get money? Cause I know this sounds slightly odd, but when I was a kid, I always had this, like, movie <laughs> idea in my head of doing the time travel thing, but purely just for financial game and how funny that would be people would keep going back and beating the bookies and you know and <laughs> to be fair there is a quite a funny moment about them going back to try and win the lottery and there's funny bits that, I mean there are bits that make me laugh so there's bits where they go back to try and um, cheat on the uh, test scores they get in exams and stuff and then they realise actually what happens is you just go back you've given yourself extra time but you still haven't learnt anything you've still got to then do the the preparation and the revision and all that anyway. Um, and that's quite funny. And it shows you how each time they go back, it alters things and people don't always react in exactly the same way and stuff like that. So then you get the ripple effect and or the butterfly effect. And it's used in very much the same way as like the film The Butterfly Effect. Um, but it is mainly, primarily, 
stealing bits from Primer. So Primer is all about them going back in time, and each time they can make more money from it. Well, this, they do a bit of that to start with, um, when they finally figure out how to get the machine working. Um, but yeah, it's just so slow, it's so uneventful. I was kind of glad it was only 100 minutes long, but at the same time, I couldn't believe it was only 100 minutes long, you know what I mean? And yeah, if it was on TV, or if you'd already spent like half an hour looking around Netflix and couldn't decide what else to watch, there are worse films than this, in fairness. Um, but yeah, I was kind of disappointed with it, and that's even without it making me feel like I was going to hurl. So... Yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed with this. Okay, um, a bit disappointing, really. I suppose um, we all like a time travel movie. In terms of the plot, um, in terms of how difficult the time travel was to follow on a scale of of Back to the Future being easy and Primer being immensely mind fucking, how <laughs> how how difficult was it to follow? It was, um, how difficult was it to follow? That's a good, I mean, yeah, I suppose the butterfly effect is quite a good one to compare it to. Because, you know, like in Looper, they do go back in time, um, but it's explained as well. If we told you how it worked, it would screw with your mind, so we're not going to tell you. Whereas in the butterfly effect, there are lots of visual aids to show you how just changing little things can have big effects. Um, It's sort of like that, because it doesn't, it's not subtle. So everything that happens is then explained as this has happened because whereas in Primer you need a graph. You need to find a, an image, a JPEG of a graph on Google Images to understand how the time travel works in that. So, yeah. It's, it works on a similar principle to Primer. Um, but there are hundreds of paradoxes that you could find. and Yeah. So, I mean, it's like um, going off on a bit of a tangent again. Stephen Hawking mentioned in like years ago one of his theories is that people the universe is constantly expanding and constantly contracting so if you could figure out a way if you could invent a machine that could record a point in time that's in what we think is the past but actually is just the moment that the universe had um contracted if you could get something that measured that and then when it expanded again you'd still got that moment in time you could make loads of money from betting on things and stuff it's similar, I suppose, in that because they use it to go back in time and bet on money, and that's the principle of Primer: is that they they use it to to bet on stock markets and stuff. Whereas this, like I say, it's Primer for dummies. Instead of all that complicated stuff, it's just oh well, we'll go back in time and bet on the lottery. We'll get lottery tickets. Have you seen Time Lapse, which was another recent one, which again sounds not quite the same, which is where they there's a camera. Um, in, the, in an apartment opposite these three kind of young people's house and um, it takes pictures from the future from inside their kind of front room and they find this device and then they get the pictures and they have to kind of run round and the guy holds up the kind of the greyhound racing results <laughs> right. and then yeah it's that is a real kind of mind fuck and that that was yeah. um i i really struggled with it as i do with all time travel things. i don't <laughs> understand what's going on it it does seem quite similar because obviously then they leave, they can leave clues for things and exactly. but there's, there's there's interesting points in this as well where they confront themselves in the past and then it acts as like a glitch in the matrix you know things go a bit fuzzy but um, which is quite interesting. Ba- basically, Paul, to explain all time travel films to you, Marty's mum was trying it on with him. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. 
That's it. That's all it is best. That's yeah, fun for all the family. Um, <laughs> that's that's all you need to know though about time travel films. That just explains everything. Just always go back to that. Marty's mum tried it on. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, on to the final <laughs> new release we're, we're reviewing this week, and that is a film called Cake, starring Jennifer Aniston, uh, Anna Kendrick, and Sam Worthington. Um, I bet no one expected it to be me that saw this one. I'm guessing. It, 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 did Did you? go to this on your own or did you was this date movie this this was kind of date movie i mean i did go with my girlfriend it's more turn up at the cinema see what's on that one was on just as we got there so we might as well go and see that one otherwise i was gonna have to wait two hours beat her at air hockey a couple of times then go and see 50 shades of gray you're a maverick steve i never do that i always plan ahead well, we Just were... turning up and seeing what's on. Jesus. Well, we 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 were over at my new flat doing a few bits and pieces, um, and <laughs> my battery died on my phone, so I couldn't check film times. But we wanted to go to the cinema and had a. You've been rough to life. IKEA. You've been to the garden centre. Bit of bum pickling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a garden centre. I'm on a first floor flat. <laughs> there is no garden for me. Um. Anyway, yes. So. Uh, went and saw Cake, um, which is about Jennifer Aniston's character, uh, who is uh, suffers from chronic pain. She's been in a, she's a victim of a car crash, um, and it starts off in a support group where a support group are all sufferers of of various types of chronic pain, um, and one of them in the, from the support group had committed suicide. In this particular meeting, was them trying to deal with that. And it turns out that Claire, which is played by Jennifer Aniston, is a bit of a bitch. And by a bit of a bitch, I mean a massive bitch. She is. Um, but it kind of progresses that she's become this way because of the accident, because of the pain, because of... I won't give away some some other stuff because it's a definite spoiler, but because of the outcomes of the accident, because of things that resulted from the accident... Um, various tragedies and then pain and operations and uh, addictions to to prescription medication she's just become a right misery um but she ends up being i'm, I'm not sure what you call it she's she's either dreaming of or being haunted not haunted it's not a horror movie by the, the 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 ghost or the image of the the girl that committed suicide um who's who i don't know which is played by Anna Kendrick, um, which is probably trying to help her along the way and try and help her get over her issues, uh, although in, in, in quite a harsh way. Um, it's it's not the it's the thing. It's one of those films where it's held together by the central performance or central performances um, by Jennifer Aniston and uh, Adriana Barraza, who plays her. It's not made, it's kind of helper. She does everything for her, cooks, cleans, everything, basically a maid. Um, but you know, those two hold the film together where the only other two kind of reoccurring character, main characters are Anna Kendricks and Sam Worthington, who are just kind of there. They're not particularly interesting. They're kind of by the books, a bit bland. The performances aren't that good from them. They're not bad, but they're not that good. Um, but Jennifer Aniston is, is really good in probably the only serious role I've seen her in. And there's a there's a quote from the um from the director 
um, who said, of, of the zillions of Jennifer Aniston's fans, I might be the biggest one of all. I've especially loved her more dramatic performances. I thought, I can't think of any. <laughs> she, she, she's, she's famous for Friends, obviously, which is absolute juggernaut of a, of a sitcom. And then I can only think she's done in terms of film um, between shit and average rom-coms or comedies. You know, well, I you know, there's the super serious uh, Leprechaun film, of course. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've seen her do a, a comedy that I've rate, you know, I'd rate above kind of the middling six or seven out of ten. She was getting um, Wanderlust. I'm not, you know, you know what I mean. She's not, she's not known for her dramatic performances, and it, you just kind of think, well, why, why are you not doing more films like this and challenging yourself a bit more? I know the money's probably in the the rom-coms and the sitcoms, but... Uh, I think it's um, almost as if it's... As if Cake is, is her first step to changing her image, you mm. know? I think a lot of actors go through that process where... It, even going to people like Will Smith, you know, the cage, they go from being known as sitcom actors and then they do a few sort of funny-ish films, like, you know, with Will Smith's terms, you know, stuff like Independence Day and Men in Black, and then eventually you get to go on to do stuff like Ali and... Um, whatever was the other one he did, thirty-one pounds or something like that. I can't remember what that was. But yeah, um, it's, it might be the start of her reconnaissance. Exactly. Yeah, it's the start. I think it's the start of her going. Look, I can do serious, even if the film itself is perhaps not brilliant. It's um, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the film wasn't bad, but but she was she was really really good in it. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a good film, but not great. Um, but she picked up a lot of plaudits for it as well. I mean, she was nominated for, for Screen Actors Guild and Golden Globe Awards for it. Um, so I think, I think it's it's one of those films that's probably worth a watch, but not until it starts streaming on Netflix or comes onto television or something like that. But um, Was it very long? Cause that's the no, other it, no it, it wasn't actually. I, I'm not sure of the exact... Oh, it's 102 minutes long, the film, so it's just, well, it's relatively just, short, just yeah. over an hour and a half. And it doesn't feel like it drags. You don't ever really get bored... Um, but you certainly would have done if they dragged it out to say two hours. Mm. Would have kind of thought, well, there's really a lot they could have chopped out of this. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that it was a slow-burning drama, and it, you know, if it's a slow-burning drama and it's like 130 minutes, then I just yeah, and it gets reviewed so poorly, I just can't be asked with them most of the time. Yeah, it's definitely slow-burning, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's good. It's 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 interesting. Um, mm. and worth a watch. Definitely didn't come out of there feeling like I'd wasted my 102 minutes watching it. I'm still in shock that you've seen this. I, I'm, I'm checking which <laughs> cinema you went to, because I, I'm not convinced that Black Cat wasn't available with a 15-minute wait, and she said to you, No, don't, come <laughs> on. And you went, oh, all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why you doubt me so much. Well, you know, I was, I was genuinely, I thought, I bet he's in Black Hat, not Chris Hemsworth. It'd be, it'd be loads of action. No. You've basically reviewed Marley and me. <laughs> my, <laughs> my money would have been on Project Almanac because that seems right up your street. Yeah, but I've just heard bad things about it and I didn't really want to kind of disappoint myself. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, not a, not a very good week for cinema new releases at the moment, is it? It's a bit, a bit of a lull. Post, no one's going to try and compete with Fifty Shades. Well, no, my, my other choices this week on uh, on on Blinkbox had a few early releases, and um, 
The other one was a, a documentary about a Ukrainian uprising, and I was like, oh, God. Ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Just watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There Next we week's not so much better, though. I mean, the second best Marigold, ho- Marigold Hotel and Focus are the only movies out in my cinema. Yeah, we, m- we might end up having to do a... Uh, a triple bill or something yes anyway um, just before we go this week it's time for recommendations as always I'm going for uh, Saturday night if you're not having a social life and going out ITV2 at 10 past 7 is the original Jurassic Park there's going to be no Chris Pratt on a motorbike with trained velociraptors in this one let me tell you but it's going to be bloody good fun all this stuff. It's classic. Yes. I watched it at Christmas, but I might even watch it again. Um, <laughs> Matt? Um, I've got a new release that I'm going to recommend uh, on the 2nd of March. Owen, if I was to say that you worked for the Munich Circus and your name was Kurt Wagner, what movie am I talking about? I worked for my Kurt, Kurt Wagner? Yeah. This uh... time. I don't know. Oh, you haven't watched X Men for ages, then clearly. Okay, what about Night- Kurt Wagner? Oh yeah, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Comes out you. on DVD and Blu-ray on the second of March, so we're pushing it to be included in this week, just barely. But that's going to be a must-have pickup for just about everybody. So do make sure you check that out if you didn't get to see it at the cinema. Okay. Is it even in that Kurt Wagner? <laughs> no, it's the name of the film. <laughs> oh, see. <laughs> think what? Okay. Okay. Uh, Owen, what are you telling us all to watch? <laughs> uh, let me just get my head screwed back on a second. Hang on. Right. Okay. Saturday evening slash sort of Sunday morning, ten past two in the morning. Uh, on film four is Nosferatu: The Vampire with um, it's Werner Herzog's film from nineteen seventy nine with Clay Skinsky in it as the as Nosferatu. Um, Liam actually recommended it in a Decade in Horror series that Paul and I contributed to um, for the 1970s. We'll just go, I'm just going to quickly plug as well, because me and Paul have also contributed to another Decade in Film series, and we've got 2011's Decade in Film coming out this week at some point. So um, that was me sneakily trying to plug some more stuff for the website. Okay. And Paul, finally, what are you going to tell us all to watch? I'm going to recommend uh, Tyrannosaur, which is on uh, Amazon Instant uh, Prime for free at the moment. Um, I watched Eddie Marsden in a film this week called Still Life, where he plays this council worker who who kind of looks for the relatives of of people who who die with you know alone, and it's Mm. so quiet and really so quiet a performance. And then contrast with his performance in Tyrannosaur, where he's an utter utter. (laughs) bastard and it's horrible, it, isn't it? it really is horrible and yeah i can't i mean olivia coleman as well absolutely brilliant absolutely fantastic british filmmaking if you haven't seen it yeah an absolute must okay uh well that's all for for this week next week uh we'll be back me and owen with a potentially different lineup owen will be reviewing kill keith and we may <laughs> have a return of triple bill uh so thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed uh, to this podcast and you can check out the website in the meantime at www.failedcritics.com
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.